Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's time for another episode of Jeff Rye, an American conservative. As uh, Jen Psaki would say way too many times, I'd like to circle back a little bit today on the accomplishments that the president, Joe Biden, announced via a White House letter on his one-year anniversary of taking office. Now, like a lot of other Americans, I bet you those guys had themselves a lot of work behind them in order just to try to come up with something that was positive since he took that oath of office. But they came up with an official list, and naturally the media put it out there pretty good, thinking that this I should say, seemingly making it as if this was this president was the greatest thing that's happened to our country in a hundred years. So let's take a few minutes in going through some of these things, and and then towards the end, I'll I'll have my rebuttal, so to speak. And keep in mind, this will tend to follow the footsteps of the uh, White House action letter that was put out. How about starting off with the vaccine distributions? Biden said that at the beginning of the year, about a third of the adults, of American adults, were just eager to get vaccinated. However, one year into it, he touts that 85% of adults have at least had their first shot. 85%. And isn't this kind of interesting, since we're being told every couple of days by the president that this current pandemic is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, meaning that, I guess, the remaining 15% of the Americans who don't have at least one shot are the ones totally fueling the continuation of our pandemic. Now, I'm not sure how many adult Americans we have, and I'm going to say at this point, maybe that's considering anybody over the age of 12, but let's say we have roughly 45 million Americans that for one reason or another have decided they do not want to get vaccinated. And just the other day, it was noted that we had about 1 million of new positive testing that showed up. And in actuality, the couple of days prior to that kept having these historic records as well. We had 250,000 in one day, and then that doubled to like 500,000, and then we went up to a million. Now, honestly, at this kind of pace, how long do you think before all 45 million of these unvaccinated people, since really, according to the president, they're the ones fueling all of this, will get the COVID, and then perhaps this herd immunity might be coming in, and and we will should start seeing a decline, shouldn't we? My math kind of shows that to be within a month or two. So I'm thinking that by no later than St. Patrick's Day, all of those irresponsible rascals and less-than-human being beings out there, the greedy ones that aren't getting vaccinated, they should have all been sick 
and recuperated perhaps at that point. And then maybe, maybe we should start seeing unprecedented low levels of positives, right? I mean, isn't that kind of what we're thinking? In reality, we're not thinking that at all because they're still insisting on calling these things breakthrough cases, which are people that have been vaccinated and revaccinated and, and boosted. And they say they wear masks and they separate their distances and they do all that kind of stuff. And yet these are the same people that are in record numbers getting reinfected. I'm not a doctor, but doesn't common sense kind of tell you that maybe we're being misled a little bit? And when I say that, and don't get me wrong, I happen to be vaccinated and boosted. But weren't we all led to believe when this all first started coming out that if we got that vaccine, that we were like 95% chance that we weren't even going to get COVID? That's the, kind of the way they presented it. Now, they've always said that we shouldn't have this like real disastrous uh, in the hospital kind of a thing. But let's face it. They led us to believe that we weren't even going to get it if we became vaccinated. And now we're finding not the case at all. It still might be the case that you uh, don't have as harsh conditions. And in that regard, I still believe that uh, it should be a, a personal choice and certainly something to protect our elderly. But apparently it's not going to stop us from getting this COVID or this Omicron, which is now what we're calling the most recent one. So in the big picture, why do we need vaccine cards? Is it really protecting us against anybody else? Doesn't look like it. We're, we're only there to protect it for ourselves, aren't we? No different than if you have your polio or measles shot. It's really for your record. Not because it's going to help the guy next to us. Because you know what? As many people are catching Omicron from vaccinated people as those who aren't vaccinated. In fact, probably more. And if that's the case, why on earth, other than pure power, are we still insisting on pushing this vaccine mandate? It doesn't make any sense. But finishing up the vaccination thing with the president's accomplishments, yes, congratulations. According to him, there have been 490 million shots that went into American arms and I'm not sure where they came up with it, but they have a number that said they've saved 1.1 million lives as a result of this. And get this, prevented mm -hmm, 10.3 hospitalizations. Wow. He was saying, look, this time last year, we had less than 1% of Americans that were fully vaccinated. Today, 71% are fully vaccinated. Remember, 85% was that number that had at least one shot. So he thinks that's an accomplishment. Well, it, I can't take everything away from him because it all did fall on his time period. But it's not like the 490 million shots of vaccine magically showed up after he became president. But nonetheless, the distribution part of it, congratulations. The second big thing that they talked about was, was that his administration has opened 99% of all the schools. Because when he took office, only less than half were open to in-person in in, in learning, and everything else was remote. Once again, I guess if you look at statistics, yeah, he's probably correct. And that's, that's what you have to do sometimes. 
but it's not always telling the real story. Let's face it, the real story is American students who went through remote learning for the last year and a half didn't learn. They fell behind. Things like suicide and depression in children went way up. Parents have to sacrifice jobs so they can be home with their kids. And that always, from day one, the science, and interesting that this uh, administration always had said to follow the science. They're not really saying that a whole lot anymore, by the way. But the science never showed that children nor teachers were at any more risk. In fact, science probably shows that it's safer while they're at school than when they're at home. That's why they're back at school, guys. They're back because they learn better. How about that? Is that the science we want to follow? We just got finished a battle up in Chicago where the Chicago Teachers Union was trying to pull power plays. And that was very interesting because that was like Democrat versus Democrat up there. And yet they reached a compromise. You know why? Because kids should be in the school learning. I also love it when he talks about the economic success that he's had. In fact, I swear, you, you can't make this stuff up. Although he didn't tell his source, he said that there was an economic guru out there that said the way Joe Biden's economy recovery was the best that it's been in American history in 50 years. 50? Who is not looking at what's going on in our country right now? What, what economically truly is going better? Maybe the 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 ships that are uh, the supply chain and the ships that are sitting out there off the coast of California, which which is such a shell game anyway. Give me a break. You know what they did? You, know, you don't see them anymore. Did you see? Oh, California's got those real nice coastlines again. They don't show you the satellite photos now, do they? You know when you're looking out about 50 miles, that's where all those 150 ships are. Mm -hmm. You can't see them from the shoreline. They're required to stay out there now until their time comes up that they can come in and and then they can get unloaded. Shell games. This this whole administration is nothing but a, a freaking shell game. And then he went, um, the president, he talks about how the, the unemployment is the lowest since 1969. Get that. That's what he says. He says when he took over office... There were 18 million people receiving unemployment benefits. Now there's only 2 million. What a great job, right? Except that when he took over, we were still in lockdown. Hmm. It's funny what happens when just regular people go back to work and they stop filing for unemployment. And actually, a lot of those were, were, were stalwart because he was paying more monies from the federal government and people were reluctant to go back to work. Once they cut that crap out, guess what? People did start going back to work. Unfortunately, what the White House paper failed to say, and you can look it up, is that even though the unemployment numbers appear to be historically low, they're actually still worse than the pre-pandemic levels that were in February of 2020. I think if somehow you were to pull up the, uh, the numbers themselves, the actual numbers... You would, you would find out that uh, as of December 3rd, this past year, there was uh, uh, 6.9 million receiving unemployment benefits. But in February of 2020, it was 5.7 million. 
That's over a million less, actually. This report also failed to talk about record inflation going on as a result of this bungling, frankly, of the economy. They failed to mention that it, the average American family will now have to spend about 3500 more this year for the same stuff than they did last year. So when they come to you and they show you the statistic about the Christmas spending, how it's up, Americans must be doing really good because Christmas spending is up 10%, 15%, whatever. In reality, the spending or the items that were purchased is probably down. But the cost of those same items that we would have bought is up that 10 to 15% because of the boondoggle that's happening in Washington right now. Now, one of the things that helped fuel that inflationary factor, and it happened to be one of Biden's last big claim to fames over the last 12 months, was that he cut child poverty in half. And he did this with enhanced child tax credits. Now, let's just listen to that. The words, child tax credits. The last I can remember, the only time you have a tax credit is when you file a tax return, or indeed, you have to pay taxes. So for those out there, which is about half of all those that are out there working, who don't actually pay anything in taxes, federal taxes now, how do they get a tax credit? Or are we once again being misled with terminologies? That's what I'm thinking. I would like to take the last couple of minutes, if we can, and I appreciate you signing in. This is, by the way, my 44th podcast. And let's talk about the things that didn't go so good. Because that list is certainly easy to find. This is not an all-inclusive list. But let's just talk about maybe like the top seven that hit the, the radar screen. The first one is Afghanistan. And this is a word you haven't heard of in the last couple of months. Because it's like a death knell to that administration. But who's out there thinking that this, this bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan where we left over 100 Americans that we know of, at least that we're being told of, that are still over there against their will, or the thousands of national patriots that have helped us through the years that are being slaughtered over there, they and their families, by the way, and yet... We don't seem to have one iota of interest in that in our news media anymore. And you know what the real kicker is? Pay attention. The U.S. is going to be sending aid over there for the people that we stranded over there. So now we have a relationship with jihadists over there. Unfreaking real. How about the origins of coronavirus? Remember, we can't call it the Wuhan virus. In fact, we can't even say the word Wuhan, can we? You don't hear that on television. It's funny, we have almost 10 million people across this world that have allegedly died from this virus. And somehow, no organization, I don't care whether it's the United States with the National Institute of Health, whether it's WHO, doesn't matter. Nobody seems to really be interested in finding out the origins of how this thing even started so that maybe 
On one hand, we could figure out how to stop a one similar from happening in the future. How about our energy independence in this country? Wasn't that nice that we started off this administration by shutting down our, our, our oil tank lines in the United States, and yet we, we allowed the Russians to continue to build their pipeline to Germany, and then we had the gall to beg Saudi Arabia and Iran, of all places, to boost up oil production in the Mideast so that we could have more oil for our country. Our gas prices, hey, now who hasn't seen that? Have they doubled? Not quite, maybe, but pretty close. And in certainly some, some areas, I'm, I'm sure they have. Good God. We don't ever talk about the energy much anymore. No, no. instead, instead our, our vice president says, you know what? If everybody had electric cars, we wouldn't have to worry about those long lines. Maybe it was not the vice president. Maybe that was Buttigieg, our transportation secretary. Hey, you know what? In retrospect, maybe it's a good thing we didn't have all electric cars on that 50-mile pileup on Route 95 South the other week down in Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. I wonder how they would have gotten those vehicles out of there, or, or indeed how those people could have survived 24 hours in sub-freezing temperature with a battery only lasting maybe four to five hours we got a ways to go, guys. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be moving away from fossil fuel. Let's face it, it takes a million years to make oil, right? It takes about a million years. You know how long it takes to burn it? Not that long. So we know that we're going to run out of it eventually. But why don't we let technology catch up to us before we force ourselves to have to give it up? I know we touched on inflation a little bit back. Nice. Nice. They talk about how, how everybody's salaries have gone up. In fact, it, it hasn't been that long ago that we had record increase for all of our retirees for their, uh, whatever it was, it was 3.8% or something like that. It was, it was the most of a cost of living increase that they had gotten in a really long time, maybe ever. And then the shoe falls off the other foot, so to speak. Because we don't talk much about this inflation far outstripping any any increase in salaries that the U.S. is experiencing with their working people and clearly outpacing what the retirees now have to pay on their fixed incomes. Oops, inflation. That's okay. Uh, according to uh, Hollywood's elites and things, it's it affects the rich people. Now, where's your philosophy on that one, guys? Okay. You honestly think the rich people care whether bacon goes from $5 to $8? You think you think they're going to stop eating bacon? Or do you think it's going to, going to hurt the working poor? In our country, working poor is like under $80,000 a year, okay? Yeah, because some of those increases, like they were talking about the Thanksgiving dinner, cost, what, 20% more than normal? Oh, okay, no big deal. Well, it's no big deal for a lot of people. Pisaki, oh, that's only a, a turkey, meaning it's only a couple of dollars more for the turkey this year. Okay, well, what about a couple of dollars more for everything else, like the potatoes and the, and the dressing, vegetables? Yeah, next thing you know, somebody's not having that dinner. Pisaki, she's got to go, man. The border crisis. I heard today 
that we're going to have to stop calling that about illegal immigration problem and start calling it an out-of-control migration crisis in our country. Do you realize that this past year, we had, document it now, over 2 million illegal immigrants come into our country. Now, that's documented. How many came in, actually? Of course, we don't know how many come in ever. But we do know that it's something more than 2 million. And we also know that we have about 1 million that come in legally that we can keep a price tag on. So let's say we had 5, 6 million people total, legal, illegal, whatever. Out of our 335 million Americans, we just added a nice little percentage, didn't we? And at that pace, in less than 10 years, I guess, we have a chance of being overrun by the migration coming in here. Funny we don't see or hear anything about that on the radio or TV either. It's clear that this administration wants open borders, and it has maintained it from square one. You've heard the talking points. We went, when Trump left office, we went from the safest borders, the most secure borders, that we had had in 30 years. And in less than 30 days, we had record number of illegal immigrants crossing that border. And it hasn't stopped. They said, oh, it's seasonal, it's seasonal. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Last month, we had more than ever, ever, ever in the history of this country. What season are we getting into now? Jesus. And lastly, let's kind of just lump the, the small potatoes, you know, like things that could actually turn us into third world nations or prisoners of war. Let's talk about how strong the Russians appear right now, how bold they are with what's going over there with, U- with Ukraine. You think, you think Putin really cares about us anymore? He has, no, he, he has no care about us, especially after he saw what we did with Afghanistan. What about North Korea? Have you counted the number of missiles uh, uh, launches that have happened uh, since uh, Joe Biden came in there? I, I'll admit you don't see him a whole lot on news. They're there every week of some kind. There's some kind of a test. And the Chinese, hypersonic missiles. Mm-hmm. You know what that means to us? That means that one day, one day, we're going to be sent a video from China. And they're going to say, here's what hypersonic missiles can do. And you can either surrender to us, whatever that means in modern day technologies, or we can do a hypersonic attack on your country, and you'll be over in no time. So when we send up our little missiles that won't catch them because they're not fast enough, and we won't have enough of them, because we we didn't actually really cut the defense budget this year. What we did is we kept it at status quo. So you know what that means? That means you didn't increase it. That means we got weaker. That's exactly what that means. And, and stronger doesn't mean more tanks. It doesn't mean another ship. No. It means that we're losing the battle technologically. That's exactly what it means. And China has us almost hook, line, and sinker. Iran. Before this next year is over, Iran will have their new contract. They will be able to fully develop their nuclear warhead. And we will now live in a country within the next couple of years. We'll, not the country. We'll live in a world that will have a nuclear Iran. 
I don't think that's going to bode too well. Certainly not a good time to go visit Israel, and and I'm not so sure it's going to be such a great time to be, you know, here in the United States. I, which, what do you, what on earth do you think is going to happen? The first time somebody out there is going to have access to a button that can shoot a nuclear warhead into Israel, or maybe into a U.S. protectorate, Hawaii, maybe California, maybe D.C. Scary. Really scary times. Is there anybody, now let's get to it, the final, I'm sorry. Anybody out there who feels that we're better off right now, we're stronger, we're more optimistic, we feel safer in a world community, we're a better leader for the world, is there anything that this administration has done to warrant that? Let's remember that as we approach the 2022 midterms. I swear, we have to get out there and get control back. We have to. We have to. We don't have a choice, really. So, well, I know it's been a little bit of a while, and this has been a little bit longer than normal, but I want to thank everybody for participating and coming back onto my podcast. We've had over 50,000 listens since we've started this thing, and, and uh, I, want, I just want to thank you. It's very humbling. So... That being said, keep the faith, and we'll see you the next time. I am Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.